answer to no man, I still go, go, go. It's a lot, it's every single day. I'll be making moves till I'm buried in my grave. Through the system, I don't wanna be a slave. I've been doing shit my way, uh, or the highway. And in the driveway, it's a nice range. Cause I grind through the climb, I invite pain. You'll never hear me, bitch, nah, I don't complain. Just gotta flip the switch and you can go and obtain. Anything you want, anything you need. Your mind's got the key ingredient, it's belief. Better see with the negativity. But I just slide right by that energy Even when you feel low, you can still go Even when you feel slow, you can still go Even when there's no hope, you can still go I never answered a no, man, I still go Go, 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 go Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Sports Report After Dark in 2023. I am your host, Seven. Dan may pop in tonight, but he's actually getting some personal stuff taken care of, and this was a last-minute planned episode. So probably no Dan tonight, but I have a host of individuals sitting back in the backstage area. We will be talking with them shortly. As we start off tonight, first, I do want to give a special thank you to my sponsor, Gunslinger Soap. Gunslinger Soap is handmade soaps and beard products made without all the junk to pamper your skin. You can go to their website, gunslingersoap.com, and sign up right now to get 15% off of your first order and always free shipping over $30. That's gunslingersoap.com. Definitely check them out. 
Um, also, as we get started tonight, I do want to say this is not a show for kids. Parents, the reason we do this late is because we get real. Explicit content parental advisory is advised. We swear, we drink, we make inappropriate references, and we have a lot of fun. Um, so if the kids are around, put them to bed and then come back. We will be here. We would still love to hear your thoughts on what we're going to be talking about tonight. Of course, the big news, the DeMar Hamlin story and some fringe things around that. We're going to get that. We're going to dive right in. Bringing in first the presidentress herself of the sports report. Now back in Texas and still looking like a human fucking snow cone. Always, always. And um, just just to reiterate, reiterate, I drop a lot of F-bombs. I, I'm the fuck queen. Like, I, I, uh, I our, our medical that. expert for the evening has taught me some swear words. So um, I think we're going to be in good company tonight. Speaking of which, uh, a new guest on Sports Report and Sports Report After Dark. Uh, a longtime friend of mine. He was actually the best man at my wedding that happened last month. Um, my good buddy, not a Dr. Norm, is joining us this evening. Not a Dr. Norm, I love it. Um, to <laughs> offer some, uh, some, some, in, some perspective on the medical side as we talk about this, because we want to you know educate as well as discuss um, of course, we are all happy to hear some of the updates today, and I'll dive into those in a minute, about the improvements on DeMar Hamlin's health. But Norm will be with us to kind of help make sense of some of the information. Uh, Josie and I are going to get to ask some questions that you guys would have. And so if you do have some medical questions regarding the situation in the chat, you can put them in. We can't guarantee that we have answers. Norm does not have access to DeMar's medical file. This is all just speculation based on public information. So let's keep it real here. Um so for those of you that have been living under a rock, last week on Monday night, or this last week on Monday night, while Josie, Will, and the gang were live on Sports Report talking the week in sports, uh, there was a situation developing in Cincinnati. Safety for the Buffalo Bills, DeMar Hamlin, collapsed suddenly on the field after a play where he stopped a run involving T. Higgins. Um, the hit was normal. He got up and... Very shortly after fell to the ground, it was announced later that he had cardiac arrest and had to be revived on the field. Um, it took the NFL about an hour to actually cancel the game, uh, which we'll kind of talk about here a little later as well. And it has been, uh, he had been in a coma. Uh, it was announced today that he was brought out of the coma. He has been awake, opening his eyes, uh, has been declared as neurologically um, intact you know, with the concerns and of being that, dead and being revived for that long. Um, personally, I think that's, that that's, that's insane. And that's I'm going to kick this, this question to you first, Norm. Um, so when we look at the situation, I know that you and I are talking earlier, you kind of looked up on some stuff and they, they said it was about nine minutes that it took for them to get him to where they could transport him. Um, the drop of the pulse was detected about a minute after he collapsed um, and then he comes out and he had, so far he looks neurologically intact from your experience. What are the chances that something like this goes up to this point? So well, so, um, just to be illicitly clear, what neurologically intact means isn't necessarily an indicator of recovery outcome. 
neurologically intact means that he can understand commands and he can follow them. So if you tell him raise your right hand, whereas like a recent stroke victim might raise their left hand or they might blink their eyes, the communication from the brain to the hand functions and he raises his left hand or right hand, whichever you call out for on command. Um, it is an indicator that the recovery potentially has a good prognosis and outcome, but it, it at the base level, neurologically intact means that his brain is understanding, receiving, and sending neurologic impulses to all of the limbs, and he can move his body on command. Okay. Uh, at this point, from what I understand, there's still no verbal communication, but he's able to utilize his limbs to recognize communication. Um, from what? He's been writing. They were yeah. saying earlier today he has been writing. And one of the first questions that he asked was if they won the game. So that that says to me that there That's is such a pro, such a pro man. A, a football guy. I mean, holy shit. That's just insane. Okay, so sorry, Norm, what are you saying? Oh, I was just saying that it means that he's he's got the potential to recover well, but it's not necessarily a direct indicator of overall recovery prognosis. Um, the fact that it's happened so fast, in my personal opinion, would lead me to believe if it was a family member, I would be excessively hopeful and elated at the fact that he's recovering already, starting to see signs of, of improvement. Because even for a stroke victim, this would have been months before they could have reached this this type of level. So right. some of that could could lead to his overall physical shape he was in prior to the attack, you know. The cardiac arrest, he could have been in such a great health that his body wasn't as shocked in the process. Whereas somebody like myself would have been, you know, several years before I would even noticed I was in the hospital. Right. Now, one of the questions that I had, you know, they, they talked a lot in some of these releases over the last couple of days about managing the stress on his lungs and the pressure on his lungs and allowing them to recover. And my theory on this was that there may have been like a puncture or a collapse of the lung as part of the problem that caused him to collapse in the first place. But you said that that's not literally necessarily the case. It's, it's not something that would be ruled out. At this point, they would have noticed that with all the imaging they had done. So right. the fact they hadn't released anything stating that leads me to believe that that's not the case. More than likely, um, the stress on the lungs is more so just due to the fact that the, the immobility of the lungs with cardiac arrest, your blood stops pumping, your lungs stop forcing things through, and you end up with lung, uh, blood pulling up in the lungs in which case they would lay him on his stomach to relieve pressure on the lungs, allow the blood to drain. The other issue is when you stop your heart from beating and you stop pumping oxygen, you lose oxygen to certain areas of the body, the lungs, the brain, the muscles, other extremity tissues, other organs. And when you're down, the length of time you're down directly correlates to how impactful that damage is. So, in a normal situation, if you are in the perfect scenario, you drop while you're in the hospital, the average response time is two minutes. Your your ability to survive cardiac arrest beyond that, even at the two-minute mark, you're a 40% chance of survival. And every minute you go out after that, it's another 10% decrease chance. So the fact that he was out for nine minutes and is already awake is monumental. But what's happening now you've reintroduced oxygen into these muscles multiple minutes later. So you have these these body parts that had no oxygen for that length of time 
now all of a sudden they do again. And the, the phagocytes and the things in the body that eat at that oxygen that feed off of it go kind of insane, almost like, um, like a rabid animal that hasn't eaten in weeks. And you end up with what's called uh, hypoxia, where you have permanent damage to some of those, those areas, which is one of the major concerns with cardiac arrest and having brain damage, is if you have extended hypoxia, compartmentalized syndrome in the brain, you can actually end up with permanent brain damage that's unrecoverable. And we won't know that until he gets further along in recovery. But, um, you know, my personal thought is when it pertains to the lungs itself, is they may be wanting to ensure that his lungs come back to full health by not putting him under any additional stress while they're already recovering from hypoxia in almost nine full minutes. Um, well, I was just going to say, again, I'm, I'm not a medical person, but I have been through several rounds of learning CPR, and that is a life-saving but damaging uh, maneuver. Time, like, yes. It's going to break the sternum. It's going to break ribs. There's absolutely. chances of damaging lungs. Um, yeah, you could like, absolutely puncture a lung during CPR. If they didn't uh, break a rib during CPR, they did it wrong. Yes. Yeah, that's actually one of the things um, I remember learning very much. Every every instructor I've ever had said, if you didn't feel a rib snap, you're not doing it right. 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 <laughs> it's... Um, it, it, that that's definitely a crucial piece, and and it it's one of the reasons why I I thought that there was the possibility of a puncture at some point, and 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 while I would also like to say really quick for any of you that are watching this, this was not T Higgins' fault. Like I, I even Norm watched that play. I've watched that play a hundred times already, just trying to figure out if I could get any idea. I know Josie's watched it several times. T Higgins did not do anything wrong. If the the fact that this man is getting death threats for something that had this not happened, had Damar not went down, which I looked it up because I could never remember what they diagnosed Damar was was co comito, uh, I can't even say it, comito cordis, and what happens yes. when severe trauma to the chest disrupts the heart's electrical charge. And I actually saw someone explaining it the other day. It he got hit right as his heart was in a very specific rhythm to recharge right. and the chances of it happening are like slim slim you usually see it in sports like baseball hockey's common one lacrosse because of balls being flung at people's bodies um and but back on what you were saying about t higgins the fact that this man is getting death threats for had this not happened was a routine hit we talked about it on Sports Report for 45 minutes because it literally happened right before. And I literally, I thought it was something to do, nothing with football at all because the hit to me looked pretty clean. Like there was nothing. I listened to New Heights podcast, the Kelsey brothers this weekend. Both of them said the same thing. The hit was your normal hit. It was a freak accident. He got hit right at the right time, just right. And this happened, unfortunately, as it is. But it is absolutely not T. Higgins' fault. And for anybody that is sending this man's death threats, you deserve to be punched in the face. I, I don't under, and, and here's the thing. I understand in a situation where things are emotional, sometimes you, you just you want to find somebody to blame. Like, 
Joy Behar and all her intelligence thought it would be a great idea to blame conservatives today for Demar, uh, for Demar's uh, injury. Um, yeah, you got, I, you got I, the same coming from the right too, and blaming yeah. COVID for his, in, for his brain, injury. Yeah, it's COVID vaccines. Shut the fuck up. Just shut the fuck up. You're not a doctor. You don't play one on TV. Um, <laughs> you don't even play and, a really and, good and, politician on TV. And you know, if 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 the reason why you're so angry is because an uncle played doctor with you, go see a psychiatrist. Quit being angry at other people. You deserve help, but quit making other people have to deal with your bullshit. Um, but as I've as I've looked at this, I, I've thought, you know, uh, really quick. I, I do want to say I um, I came across something earlier, and I think it's important to recognize. So when the situation was going on, um, one uh, one of the Bills' assistant athletic trainers was hugely responsible for uh, the fact that Demar is still alive, and I want to find his name and I want to shout it out. Because he, go ahead. I was just going to say while you're looking for that, if we're giving shout outs, the coaches for both of those teams, especially Zach Taylor, in recognizing what the coach, I can't, I'm sorry, my his name, the Bills head coach is blanking right now, but the way that Zach Taylor reacted for the Bengals and saw that there was, I'm no way that they were going to be able to complete this game. And he went over and talked to the coach and talked to the players. And um, the way that the coaches handled this was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. The, okay. So the, the, the way, uh, before we get back into where I was going, um, because I found what I was looking for, um, both uh, Zach Taylor and um, the, uh, uh, and Sean McDermott, Sean McDermott, uh, thank you. Wasn't of the game. Bills. You guys did exactly what you needed to, and that was lead your men and make the right decision for your men. You took care of your men. As a fan of the game, I appreciate that because the 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 core belief of this show is that athletes are people too. And it, it, the, the, this event on Monday night, while it was extremely tragic, is a very sharp reminder of that very fact. Um and I, I want to add a couple other medical questions so that Norm can leave whenever he wants. But before I do that, I want to also say Danny Kellington, the assistant trainer, is one of the assistant tra uh, physical trainers for the, the Bills, was out on the field when he recognized that the hit, that uh, DeMar's pulse had stopped and immediately started doing um, chest compressions and doing CPR. And then the emergency action plan that they practice every year at the arena or at the stadium uh, was activated. They got the defibrillator out there. And um, thankfully, with all of the work that the medical staff that were present did, Damar was revived. Um, he And also, a part of the report I saw was that he actually, they lost him at the hospital once, too. Um, so even more amazing. It has been... Um unconfirmed so Un okay no so i actually read a report today his uncle stated that he was um in and out of consciousness but never actually was down and needed to be resuscitated at the hospital okay all right so that's so that that's okay. was a floating rumor <laughs> so i mean that's i mean but that, that that's good 
But I mean, either way, kudos to the medical staff. Um, down yeah, at yeah. the bottom of the screen, you will uh, you will see um, you can find CPR classes near you uh, by going to the Red Cross website. Um, Everybody should know how to do that. Absolutely. C CPR is is very important because you never know when you're going to need it, but when you need it, you'll be glad you know it. Um, I do need to get mine updated, but I did have it at one point. I was going to uh, say mine's, I think, just expired. But the all right, so Norm, my next question for you on this, um, with with the situation where it's at, what does a recovery look like to where he's at least self sufficient? We're not talking about football condition because obviously that's not even a thought right now, but just. Yeah functioning self-sufficient can be at home that type of a scenario what is the timeline for this type of a thing usually look for that that actually is um kind of a loaded scenario it's it's the prognosis typically is six months to a year of recovery just to you know feed yourself be able to communicate properly do the normal things that makes you a functional adult we have seen people in as little as three months with really good therapy in which obviously with his resources he's going to have the best he can have so right yeah you know, a three to eight month prognosis of being able to be fully functional if there's no actual brain damage as they get further along that could be feasible um we won't know the extent of any permanent damage until he gets later on into that therapy um i did want to circle back though and touch base on the um the commotio cordis just uh so people oh, can sorry. a little bit better um the, what it is basically is your heart goes through several waves. And if you look at an EKG, the absolute lowest peak is called your T wave. And when you're actually directly below Josie's face. So you're, <laughs> your T wave, wave, as you hit the very bottom, that's when your heart, if you can see my hand, when your heart squeezes down, you're looking directly at that lowest point of that wave. And when it pumps back up, you're at the top of your S wave. So as your heart's doing this, which you do this 80 times in a, in a minute, so that's one every two-thirds of a second, in order for commotio cordis to happen, you have to have impact in the chest of a significant amount at the absolute second that your heart's at the base of that T wave, in which case it's basically like taking a balloon, deflating it, and then wrapping it up in something and trying to blow it back up. You, your heart mm. just won't have the force behind it to pump again. And the only way to make it pump again is to defibrillate it and get it pumping because you're, you interrupted the electronic signal. Uh, you actually mm -hmm. see this a lot in military personnel with concussion grenades. If you throw a concussion grenade, somebody's heart's running on average 140, 150 beats a minute in that scenario. You're in battle. Your heart's just absolutely pumping. You, know, you have 140 chances in a one-minute window to hit right on that wave normal person well for him he would have been in that 140 range you know on the field playing heart pumping the chances of him taking an impact that hits him at the exact moment pretty rare you know but if you get unlucky enough to be hit in that moment this is the outcome you could have there's nothing in protocol that could have ever saved him from this you know so for the people looking at it as you know negligence or a unnecessary risk of the game. This is a, an absolute freak accident, like a bird flying into the propeller of a, a prop plane. It's, it's like just, Randy Johnson hitting a bird with a baseball. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
it's just the, so absolutely rare. And and one of the questions that I wanted to ask on that. I got it. So, um, when you look at okay, so when you look at this this type of an injury, I've noticed at least from what I understand, something like this occurring is more common in youth sports than it yes. is as you get older. Get out of my head. So my question to you is outside of obviously, because I know there's been a big movement for schools getting defibrillators at, at athletic events to make sure that there's one there just in case something like this happens or, you know, some type of a cardiac arrest event. Um, <clears throat> outside of obviously the CPR training and the presence of defibrillators at, at youth games, are there any other precautions that, that youth sports should be taking or even or even you know, sports in general, whether it's youth, college, the NFL, MLB, whatever, that they should be taking to make yes. this event more preventable. Uh in, in youth or, sports. Or, and and respond and and improve response on that. Sorry. So one of the things that um, they've already started in a lot of youth sports, and I've seen it at my daughter's uh, high school football games, is they actually have an off-duty police officer, or not off-duty, he's there on duty, but it's an extra shift he'll pick up where he's there with the team during the game and being a police officer with his unit there, he has a defibrillator in the unit and he's fully first aid trained, fully CPR trained. And then they have obviously their athletic trainers on the field as well. Um, you know, having those at the games obviously is a huge plus, you know, response time. That's absolute monumental. You cannot have higher than two minute response time for the initiation of CPR. The the rate of death beyond that is just insane. It's like I was saying, your first two minutes, if you start CPR at two minutes, you're at a 40% chance of survival. Every 30 seconds you wait after that, you're down by 10%. So wow. the, the risk of someone dying. Now, just because you start CPR doesn't mean you're going to be successful. You can start it even at one minute. But every minute that you continue CPR without them coming back, you're decreasing their overall chance of survival by an additional 10 to 15%. So that part of it is really, really hard because you have to have that quick response. So it should be, you know, you see somebody fall, the trainer should be there within seconds. They should be running to them by right as they hit the floor. Um, so, you know, that kind of training response time from hit the floor to trainer on field should be quick. As soon as the officer on duty sees that, he should already be going to the car to get the defib just in case. Or they should have the defibrillator on the side of the field. It should be something that's always there. Yeah, um, say that makes more sense to have it right there. And to prevent this from happening in the first place, um, colleges and the NFL and all major sports, realistically, when they do a sports clearance for even just a sports physical, one of the, the key things they have to have is a uh, EKG with cardiac clearance. So if they come into a primary care or an urgent care and they get that, that sports physical, if there's anything outside of it printing off saying normal EKG, that goes to a cardiologist to be overread inside. They, because uh, is, that in, is that because if it's a different rhythm, it makes things like this more common? Yes. So if you have like an arrhythmia or any kind of a pre-existing heart condition, your risk of anything cardiac happening on the field, whether it's commotio cordis or anything else, is going to go up. It could even just be a heart arrhythmia with 
extra exercise, you increase your chances of your arrhythmia itself causing a heart problem. So, you know, when, when you get to, to college and above, it's mandatory for every physical you do every year. And then they look for changes from year to year. But with high school and below, especially Pop Warner and all of the, um, the private leagues like the, the parks and recreations, all they want is a basic physical. You go in, they move your joints around, make sure you can do a squat and lift your arms, and you're done. So I think an improved process for sports physicals, especially for you know kids, I think that would really, really improve the numbers and make it a lot less common. So is it – so with the, 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 the cardiac – you know, because essentially isn't it basically a cardiac stress test is what they do? Yeah. Okay. When you get into a, it, um, a professional sports level, they do a, what they call a two-hour stress test where you, you hook up and you run on a treadmill and do all the, the things that put your heart under stress. When you come into an office for high school or college, um, the college physicals are just a basic baseline EKG. So all that's mm. going to find is pre-existing heart conditions. It's not going to find something that's activity-induced. Okay. So even so, obviously, at least enhancing that at the college level is going to be important. Should they be doing more EKGs at the high school level? Is that is that one That's of the things what I'm saying? Be... Is I think what we should do is we should start doing the two hour stress test at the college level because of the level of competition and the the Fair. physicality of it. And I think Definitely. at the high school and the lower level, we should at least be doing EKGs on every single person that needs the sports physical. Well, so, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and you you talk about college level, and in some ways, especially with college football, it's more brutal. Like we were right. talking about it on Monday, you see more broken legs, uh, torn ACLs, things like that in college ball than you do in in the NFL, just because it it's still it's still a amateur level. It's still these guys learning. Not everything is known, um, right? And so, yeah, I tend to agree. I did have yeah. one question, Norm, on – again, we want DeMar to be healthy and, and live the most normal life he can. I wanted to ask, is there a chance that he could return to NFL or on a pro level? In my opinion, I think what it's going to come down to is we have to see where his mental development goes. If, if he comes out of this with full mental awareness, um, I would absolutely want them to do some kind of a uh, – recognition and reactiveness type of a um, testing, I guess I would say. Because if you think about it this way, he could come back to full functionality, full physicality, to where he can bench press every amount he ever did. He can run a mile just as fast as he ever did. But where the breakdown is going to come in for me personally is the, the length of time he was without oxygen to the brain. Until he has to utilize that section of the brain that could potentially be impacted, we don't know if it's impacted. So if his recognition and response area of the brain has been impacted, let's say he's out you know, running a play and he is faced with a situation where a guy's had to face first at him and he needs to recognize, react, and move, and his brain misfires and he doesn't move, he's going to take an unaltered hit direct to his body. Right, so that's... Because, I mean, everybody knows, especially when you're at that level of playing, if you're about to get hit, there's certain ways you brace yourself, you roll with it, you try to do things that keep you from being injured. 
if you right. just stand straight up and upright and you take the hit full face on, the chances of you being injured are going to go through the roof. And if he misfires and doesn't respond and react in time, that could be really, really bad. So I think until he undergoes some sort of testing that can prove that his his recognition to reaction time is at a high enough level, I don't think it would be safe for him to return to professional sports, especially football. I mean, if it was something like, say... Baseball, basketball even. Yeah, something like golf. I mean, baseball, if a ball's ball, hit his head and he doesn't yeah. react in enough time, that could be bad. So the reaction time there still needs to be... But, you know, something on a lower level, professional sport wouldn't be such a big deal. But something in, like, football, you've got a 250-plus pound guy running at you at basically 25 miles an hour. Just, I mean, hurt. you don't move. The whole right. reason they introduced the blindside tackle is because right. you're basically taking a hit that you're not prepared for. And that was right. hurting a lot of quarterbacks. Right. Right. So if he doesn't have that um, recognition to response time ratio – I think it would be a, a huge mistake for anyone to let him step on the field. Now, um, with this though, with I, in, in your experience, now is this is this the 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 stress test that they're that they do at the NFL level that we're talking about moving at least into college? Is this something that they do like for baseball and the NBA? And is this something that should be looking at younger levels there too? Uh, I would say yes. It's something they are doing at all professional sports levels um, just because they're, they're doctors that are paid by the industry want to know that these people are high enough level that they can give them the clearance to go out there and perform at that level. If we were to do that at college in those same sports, and realistically that goes for any potential contact sport. I mean, even something like rugby or anything that's of that nature should all be tested. Even soccer. Soccer is more of a contact sport than people assume and it should be tested as well. You know? Absolutely. Well, and I know, I know they do stress tests like that for MMA and wrestling and sports too, because I mean, a, a bump or a kick or a hit can, can do a lot of things to the heart that we don't understand. Absolutely. And and, yes. and 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 when you look at wrestling, I mean, you look at how much physicality goes into that, even though it's fake. You know, at, you know how I feel about that word. Choreographed, right? You know, <laughs> it, it it takes peak. It, it takes a really good physical health to be Absolutely. able to do something like when <laughs> when Mick Foley got thrown off of the top of the hell hell in a cell cage by Undertaker, or Jeff like, Hardy taking a spear in midair from Edge while his exactly, body's like, hanging there. So I'm going to show my age here, but um, the the ring bell being smashed into Ricky the Dragon's throat. Yes, <laughs> yes, killed it. I watched that. Live. <laughs> you know, and that, those kinds of things, even though they're choreographed, if you're not at a high enough physical level, you're going to take some incidental damage. Your body has to be able to withstand it. They should have a high level of testing to make sure that you're at the peak shape you can be in to withstand those kinds of incidental injuries. It's, I mean, more information is always better and colleges can justify adding, you know, the facilities because you can use your, med your, your students that are going through medical classes right. to staff 
and get the information so that you're keeping the cost at a very minimal right i mean they already do that most trainers on a college team are students who are who are learning to be medical whatever medical trainers Um, whatever even at the high school level most of the trainers that come out to the i was they're picking up extra hours during their externship or their uh, internships you know they're Mm -hmm. all in their clinical rotations picking up all the extra hours they can so yeah. I don't see why we couldn't even utilize them at the high school level and say, hey, we're going to send all the people from all the high schools in this certain radius of your college to you guys to perform these stress tests for free to make sure they're safe. Well, and then again, like even on the high school level, usually you've got students as trainers. That's not more things for them to learn, preparing them more for down the road. Absolutely. Uh, there's, there's ways to make these things work that uh, you kind of – eat the cost yes but it's for the health of your athletes but make it work for you let you use it as learning tools for other things right absolutely no and i i agree completely it's you know any way that you can help you know that you can provide an education and a service at the same time you're probably going to come out ahead because it means you're able to teach them to do it right. You know that it's done right. And the cost is much more min- minimal. And so when the student gets out into the, the field that they're being trained in, they're better off. And the subject right. gets their needs met mm-hmm. in a much more financially efficient manner. So it, it's one of those things that I think from a, you know, from, from, from a normal human standpoint, I think it's a great, I think, I think it would be great. You know, every college has the ability to do these tests through their medical program and they take care of the high schools in the area. So that's extra subjects that they get free of charge. Um, Not only that, it's a recruiting opportunity to get kids interested in programs at their school. You yeah. got them there for 20 minutes to two hours, depending on the test they're doing. That's that's all free pitch time. <laughs> that That's extra time to talk to that local athlete that's not sure right. where they're going yet. Right. So, I mean, it's a win-win all the way around. The only thing I see it becoming a problem is obviously with the number of high school students, how do you make this something where it's facilitatable in between sports or over the summer? So, for my personal opinion is you do it on a rotating schedule. You do every month by a certain set of last names. It may not be at the beginning of your season, but it keeps all of your students on a one-year rotation of having this follow-up testing. So, you and, know, some of your students may get it halfway through the season, but they also just had it halfway through last season. So it's not like you're being negligent by letting them start without this this report. It was done recently, just not right before the season. Now, one of the questions that I have on that, obviously the physicality of a college athlete versus the physicality of a high school athlete is very different because a high school athlete still has a lot more development to go. Um, right. What about in those scenarios as a way to work on stemming the tide of people and make it more accessible to everyone is you do a one-hour test instead of two. That way... At a high school level, that would be feasible. Because, well, and my question is, is is an hour going to be enough time to detect anything major that you could be concerned about at that level? This is a uh, parental advisory explicit show, so allow me to (laughs) paint you a picture. Okay. What do you assume your heart rate gets up to in about five minutes worth of a double session of sex? Um, 
I, I mean, 140 to 150. I, I mean, that's. I would have said reasonable. 160 to 170. Now, try doing that for an hour. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's. that's enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so, <laughs> right. It's enough time to see what your heart's going to do. <laughs> and, and I kind of figured it might be, but it's, you know, Better it's, be it's a just, gallon of water next to the bed. <laughs> Maybe some kind of no nos or something. <laughs> uh, you know, you get the just it's put a couple of Red Bulls by the bed. You know, if you don't drink the Red right. Bull during, make sure there's some Jaeger, some vodka next to the bed so you have a drink for after. I'm just going to rehydrate afterwards. Who's going to set me up one of those little roadside like stands that you have like on the marathons? Where you run up and you drink a banana, a Gatorade. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but the question becomes who are you paying to hand out the banana and the Gatorade? (laughs) What else are they there for? I mean, where's that banana going? (laughs) You're talking about the little bananas, right? (laughs) We don't need any kind of jealousy. Which which banana? I mean, it's it's only thing I see is little bananas. So right. <laughs> but yeah, I think I'm white, I, I'm white and English. I all I see are little bananas. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I absolutely think that one hour, if you're going high school level, is more than enough stress test time. I think okay. um, two hours at the college level even could be pushing it. College, yes, you do have a high level of physicality. Most of their injuries come by way of immature technique as far as they're not training the right way. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to overtrain because they want to be the best. They're not or they're not training enough if you're like Travis Kelsey. (laughs) Right. And you're not recovery time and other things. So a lot of their injuries come by way of those things. And you see less injuries at the professional level because these people not only have the absolute best trainers that put them on the best programs. They know and exactly them, how to take a hit know. or give a hit. Right. They've spent more time just learning those things, how to recover, how to properly, you know, feed their body the nutrients it needs during that recovery yep. instead of being out drinking all night like they do in college. You know, have just an overall better program. We talked about it on Hardwood last night. I mean, LeBron James spends a million dollars a year just on his recovery in a sport that's not heavy contact now right he put his body through a lot yes he does like basketball players the jumping the running like they're putting basketball is still a physical game it is a physical game it's not football but it is i mean right you look you look at when they're in the paint in the middle in the bumping in the uh and like the well there's a lot of well, the thing of it is, like with basketball, there's a lot of collisions. Like, because mm-hmm. these guys run into each other all the time during basketball oh, yeah. games, but they're not wearing pads and they're still running. Yeah. So, like, there's still, you know, there's still that car crash effect that you get as an NFL player, but they don't have pads and they're falling onto hardwood instead of grass. Yes, absolutely. So, I want to, I want to put a thought process into your head and uh, see what you guys think about this, but. When you talk about recovery and you talk about especially going more into college, not necessarily high school, but more in the college and professional level sports, and you're thinking, okay, well, we need to worry about recovery for all of these these students who are going through this really physical game, and then the next day 
they wake up and they're battered and beat up and they, they don't feel real well, their body hurts. One of the fastest ways to recover, just and it's been proven hands down, is 2,000 mLs of saline with a vitamin cocktail on it. Mm-hmm. You can recover instantly damn near. I mean, I've seen people go from full-on muscle cramping after a marathon to ready to run another marathon in two hours by way of IV with vitamins. Now, you've got these students who are training, right, in all these different colleges and these different areas. They need to learn IV techniques. Why wouldn't you proactively, after a game, let them have a one-hour cool down in like an ice bath or, you know, massage therapy for, you know, an hour, whatever they're going to do to to have that cool down and then put them on a one-hour IV drip with vitamins, let them go home, sleep, take in some proper nutrition, eating-wise. The next day, their muscles would physically recover, I would say, maybe 50 to 60% faster and more complete than if they didn't do that. So, it, 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 and that's that's interesting because I've, I've heard of that. And I know because like there there'll be even like like here down here in Phoenix you can it, it, you you can call a place and they'll come give you an IV drip with vitamins in it for hangovers and absolutely. for hangovers um, or if you just wake up and you're feeling like shit they'll they'll bring it over to you um, and you know they park right outside your house you go you sit there they play some nice soft music so you're not overwhelmed so <laughs> and you know this in Texas so just so you know the only licensing they need for that. Um, if they were going to do this for colleges, is you don't even need MD level students. You could take LPNs, EMTs, uh, nurses, all the different levels of healthcare, anything above a medical assistant and a doctor and below can facilitate that need. So you could have 50 EMT students from 10 different schools just making trips every Saturday night or every Friday night to these sports events, pop everybody with a couple of IVs, monitor them for an hour, unplug them all and go. Wouldn't be that hard to do. I mean, and and, and now we know we see the the hospital charge for saline, but the actual cost of saline is not great because obviously it's just salt water. I paid $13 for a box of 12 1,000 ml bags. So yeah, I mean exactly. Like it's the the, the cost is very small on that, but yeah. the impact on the physical recovery of your athletes is so great that and, and and again, you've got access to 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 labor that you don't have to pay for, right? Because they need the experience training as training hours. Yep. So I mean, the, the the Air Force and the Navy get pilots training hours by having them do flyovers of football, baseball, and basketball games and all that crap. Right. And, and it's, you know, all they're doing is puttering a plane over a stadium and then flying home. But it still counts towards their pilot hours. It gives them about an hour and 15 minutes because they got to fly there, fly over, and fly back. Exactly. And yeah. then, you know, so when you, when you look at this, there's other ways that you can utilize that same process. And this is one of them. You can take you, two birds with one stone and then... You also, you get your, your athletes, they get more, you're able to help them establish better care for their bodies at a younger point so that you're able to get more out of them right. on the backside. So at least that's how it looks to me. I so feel like that's, 
I'm sorry to cut you off, Norm. No, no, I feel ahead. like that's one of the issues in in sports in general is it's not being thought about in the high school and even before junior high and levels about longevity. What do I need right. to do to keep my body performing this way for what I'm going to be doing? If you go pro, you look at guys like LeBron and Brady who've been playing these respective sports for 30 years and like – they didn't probably get into the really good recovery programs until they were pros and could have that money. So you, if we're if we started teaching that sooner, it would help a lot of these kids. We're, we do so much now to watch out for CTE in kids. Like we need to think about the entire body, what these kids are going through, to to make these dreams that they have come true. So Go ahead, something sorry. That, something you can. Um... Maybe we ought to start a, a petition or something later down the road. But something you have in some high schools right now is they're starting a sports medicine program. My school as had one that. Their, as one of their options for an elective. And so these kids are learning ACE wraps and they're learning, you know, muscular skeletal kind of things and just real basics. Um, they also learn how to splint somebody for a break on the field. And these students are at every game. They're like assistants to the actual trainer at every game. So, so that's, if we're going to do that, why not expand that program just slightly? Why not have those kids also stay after the game for an hour with the students and do some low-level recovery? Nothing invasive, no needles, but maybe ice rubdowns, maybe some of the other things that would help promote less pain the next day. You know, let's do some range of motion and flexibility stretches before you go home and tighten up. You know things like that. Well, and there are there are massage there. Well, and here's the thing: when when you, when when a massage, and, and I know this because of Martha going to right. massage therapy school. Like one any when you go to massage therapy school, sports sports massage is one of the things that they teach. Everybody That's learns one of the first it. First things you teach, <laughs> and and it, exactly that was because that was one of the first things that she learned, and you can utilize those students that have been through that initial point and there's massage therapy things all over and it doesn't have to be an hour massage for each athlete even no, if it's I'm a quick 20 minute rubdown yeah exactly you know 10 15 minutes something quick just to relieve some right. of that pressure so make sure just you get the blood pump back into the the muscles stuff like that yeah it should just be a simple rub down to get the blood flow maybe a couple of range of motion movements just to to bring you know knees to the chest do some windmills, get the body in full range of motion. So when you go through the muscle cooldown, you don't cramp up, you don't freeze up. And then if we start that thought process for kids at the high school level, when they go to college, and then you ramp it up a little bit with now you're having the IV therapy, you know, just a thousand ML bag IV at the end of the night after the game, they're now into a, a little bit heightened mindset of proper recovery. And then by the time you get to that professional level, They've already got anywhere from four to eight years of foundational understanding of what their body needs to recover so that when they do get to that highest level of the game, it's not like, oh, shit, my chair's all over my ass. I have to learn how to take care of my body. It should be something we start and ramp up instead of you can't just say to a high school kid, here's the entire book of how to take care of your body start now. You have to start off with a smaller version. Take care of your body like this. Then when you go to college, okay, take care of your body like this. So it's a graduated process. 
And just like with the sport itself, every level you go up, you perform at a different level. You need to recover at a different level. And well, that's something we look at putting into place. You mentioned sports medicine in high school. And I, I grew up here in Texas um, where football is, is life. Life, and, yeah. <laughs> and so, and then I also went to a pretty um, wealthy, well-off school. We had a sports medicine and had trainers who worked with actual trainers. Um, I know because I tried to get into that program. And yeah, you're right. They learn things like wrapping. They learn ice baths. They learn things like that. But it, it would be very easy to add in maybe not needles because getting the right vein on as someone who had to do it in military, get it, hitting that right vein isn't always as easy. Right. Um, and you can't really have somebody sign a waiver of liability until they're 18. Yeah. So you'd rather right. keep them away from high schools. And it's really easy to shred a vein and things like that. And right. so, but, uh, but yeah, the massages, the, the, the taking these kids and teaching them something else. that's also going to help these athletes. Right. It, one of the things that I think is important when we look at educational institutions, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put high school in this in this this topic as well. High school, college, whatever. Your job is to prepare the individuals that are in within your walls learning for the future that they are going towards. And right. if you have individuals that are focused on athletics, because yes, not every high school athlete is going to be a pro athlete. We know that, but a lot of high school athletes end up in college at least for a while or they, you know, maybe they go into scouting or coaching. They, they work at a lot of them end up working athletic adjacent, but also because you've been in athletics, especially something physical like football after care and taking care of your body as you get older is still going to be important. So you can Absolutely. teach these kids, these habits now to create this as part of their education so that they have these habits in their life because somebody that just, you know, you know how many, we all know people that just played high, uh, football in high school that in their thirties, their knees are just complete shit. I, I, just, just, <laughs> I, I played baseball and two years of baseball and some bull riding and my knees are shit and I'm, my knees are shit and I'm in my mid thirties. I didn't play so, that much sports, but the military killed my knees. And then I was 30 and, years old and tore my ACL meniscus. So. And, yeah. and that's the thing is if you can, for any of these individuals, if you can instill these habits at a younger age, you're more likely to see a positive outcome from them than less, if you keep less, uh, less impactful injuries. Absolutely. Right. And, um, you know, to, to hit on your statement, you know, not every child that you see go through high school sports is going to end up in professional sports. Most you know, if, you, if you want to play devil's advocate and reverse that thought process, how many professional sports athletes do you know that didn't play sports in high school? Not very many. So, right. They had to have played somewhere at some time. Yeah. So if right. we didn't teach them how to care for their body at those lower levels, how are you, they going to know to take care of them at the higher level? You do get that rare guy, that rare athletic freak that walks on to some college somewhere. Uh, my grandfather, actually. <laughs> My uh, grandfather played for the Denver Broncos back a million years ago before the 49ers were even a team. And uh, him and a friend of his were on a business trip, woke up on over one morning and for giggles decided to go to walk on tryouts. Now, this is back when your average size of a lineman was 6'1 to 6'2, maybe 
225 to 250-ish. My grandfather walked in the door at 6'4 and almost 300 pounds. Fully Jesus. athletic, build, ready to go. My size. <laughs> and that's still about 60 pounds on me. <laughs> so he, uh, he went to the walk-on tryouts just for giggles, just with a hangover on a business trip. He was like, yeah, let's try it. And uh, made the team by mistake. Now, he, he was not a starter by any means, but he was he was on the practice squad and he was on the field in full dress for several games for two full seasons. And um, you know, he never played anything outside of just Pop Warner. You know, but again, he jacked his knees up to the point where he was never able to play again because he didn't know how to take care of his body. And yeah, that's why I said. You gotta, you got the, the the younger you can teach it. I also, I'm still a believer that we should be taking away full contact football until high school. I, I, because that that will reduce concussion risk because you're reducing the damage on the brain and allowing it to develop more before that shock. I, we, I think we would see. I, I understand the difficulty that it brings, but for the safety so, of these kids, you almost have to. There, there is a, a different school of thought on that that I've not seen a lot of people talk about, and it, it fizzled after a very brief point in time. Anything prior to the high school level football, they had talked about running a, um, what do they call it? It was a one, two, three, four, seven-man squads. Yeah, seven-on-seven, seven, yeah. Where they would have a seven-on-seven, seven, and it was – instead of basing it off of age or off of grade level, they actually base it off of size and body weight. So when you were supposed to be in a matchup, you were always matched with people of very close to equal size. So you wouldn't have a team of, you know, five foot nine kids on one side and a team of four foot three kids on the other side just because their grade levels matched up. And if that you were sense. to do that, then a physicality standpoint, you have a lot less chaos because you have less people on the field. So it's easier to see your people. It's easier to move around. And the, the chance of having a fully blindsided hit coming is going to be much less. But also, one of the caveats to the uh, proposed rules for that league would have been instead of having that five-yard bump rule, you would have – a, a five-yard buffer where you could not – you had to the, – the defensive backs had to be a, a minimum five yards back from the line at the time of the snap so that there was no, you know, real heavy impact right at the start. So they had time to kind of create space. And it, it led to – when they did it as a couple of trials, kids were – it was more of a run-and-gun kind of a passing-style game versus right. a heavy hit running game and one where you have your linebackers hitting much smaller receivers because they were on a blocking or a passing or a screen route. It kept things a lot more even and a lot less likely for kids to get hurt. And it was less impact than you would see in like a high school game. But uh, that, that idea fizzled. It didn't go very far because parents didn't want their kids being sheltered. Which yeah. I think is asinine. That, that, that's what you get into here in Texas, because actually seven on seven is pretty popular here. It usually yeah. comes up in spring once football's over. Most high schools have a seven on seven something or other after uh, re the regular season is over. Um, but yes, I've heard that same argument is because 
Pop Warner is still as popular down here as it was 10 years ago. Like, you right. still uh, got the five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year old. And I'm a dad of a little kid. Like, she's four and a half. I can't imagine. Now, mind you, I have a daughter, not a boy. But even if it, she was a boy, I can't imagine putting her in football next year. Like, I right. just can't imagine her taking hits like that uh, <laughs> next year. Sorry. Sorry, my brain just went to uh, one of my favorite movies, Little Giants. Yes, that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> so, so you intimidation. <laughs> oh, goodness. I, yeah, I love I, that movie. One of my had, favorite movies. For me personally, I really think junior high should be your absolute minimum starting level for any sports. And in junior high, I kind of do agree in some aspect that you should have more of a flag football or a seven on seven, one of the two for a junior high, and then a full fledged ready to go tackle football in high school. But we really, I think the, the caveat's going to be learning more about that recovery and that management and bottom thing. If a kid gets injured on the field, they shouldn't have the mindset of let's, let's, let's keep going. get this over with and get back on the field as fast as we can. It should be more of, okay, let's get you off the field and make sure you're properly cared for. Enjoy watching the rest of the game. And see, that's really – that right there, what you just said, has got to come from the coaches. The coaches have got to take responsibility for those players because I'm sorry, as a player, like you're in that adrenaline, you're you're just like, i got to get back out there, especially when you've been a part of this team and they, they – preach so much in sports like that your team you got to be there for the team right. and in that moment the adrenaline's pumping you want to be there for the team the coach has got to step in and be like no you're, they, you're done. they have to take a note out of the mma book in that aspect it's not just the coaches it's the coaches the trainers and the officials yeah. the officials kind of have to take some responsibility in that um in mma look at tim sylvia when he fought frank Mir. frank Mir broke his fucking arm and he was mad because they made him stop fighting because he was willing to keep fighting. And Frank Mir's response was, look, dude, I don't want to hurt the guy, but if he's insistent, put him back in the ring, I'll rip his fucking arm off so he has to quit. You don't want to have that mentality. Um, you just cannot – you can't have a guy with that much adrenaline, that much desire to get in there and play the game be the ultimate deciding factor of whether or not he walks back on the field. The right. coach has to step in and say, let me save you from yourself. Or the trainer has to tell the coach, he shouldn't be on the field right now. He's we, not safe. You gave great – in that, it made me think, we even saw that on the pro level, what, two weeks ago? Um, yeah. When the guy – was it the Patriots 7? Was it the Patriots? Um, a player. One of the players. Teammate, a teammate had to call out and call a timeout because he noticed that another teammate was not okay after a hit. He was stumbling. That that was a failure on the spotters in that game because yes. I was watching that yes. game live when that happened, and I was fucking screaming at my TV. Yes. Um, that that was a huge failure on the spotters in those games. And that game, what pissed me off on that was that the NFL released a statement on it because there was a lot of fucking criticism, as there should have been. And the NFL was like, "No, the spotters did everything. It wasn't any sign." Are you serious? We can well, see it on TV. The guy stood up and then wobbled, like, and then as he was trying to line up, like he wasn't even half there. He, you could tell he had no idea where he was. 
no yeah. idea where he was. Well, you see it with fighters a lot, though, because like they'll get rocked, and then the ref gives them a second to recover, which, sure, sometimes you can. But that's why Let Him Die Dean got the name Let Him Die, because he a lot of times would let somebody take four and five extra hits to the face while they're already in a spot where they can't even tell which direction the hits are coming from. And you can't, you can't have that. The referee has to be there. They're in the ring. They see what's happening. They have to step in and say, we're done. You're done. I know you want to keep fighting, and I commend you for that, but you're done. And it, that goes across all sports, though. You should have it in football. You should have it in basketball. Like, I've seen people in basketball get up after taking a, a fall from, you know, rim height down to the floor. They get up, and you can tell they're shaking it off. They're limping. Their shoulder hurts. Any of those injuries, especially if their head hits the concrete or the, 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 uh, um, the hardwood, the the hardwood. hardwood. Like, if they if they hit with that kind of an impact and they get up and you can tell that they're not all the way right, their coach should send someone in and pull them off, even if just long it's, enough to let them recover. Someone has to save these athletes from themselves yes. because their adrenaline isn't going to let them stop. They need to have somebody advocate for them and say, hey, this can't happen. You need to be off. You're done. And the, basketball the, is bad about that. They 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 don't right. stop for nothing. There's guys just laying on the court like, oh, it's four on five. That guy's laying on the court like we need to do something. And I can get just like with the NFL, you have to have rules on faking injuries to stop play, and that's not okay. And the rule those rules should exist. But right, but that's why they should have is, a neutral trainer that evaluates the injury. You can tell when someone's faking an injury as a trainer. And they people say, oh, they can they can fake it. It's it's that's what it is. No, if they have an injury, there's manipulational techniques we can use that tell us whether or not they're faking the injury. If we put pressure on certain areas and they don't respond, or we ask them to push and pull, and you can tell that they're they're kind of half-assing the push or the pull, you can tell whether it's half-assed or if it's pressure related due to pain. They teach it at the lowest level of physical examination for nurses. So if you can do that, why not employ a nurse that's or a, a trainer that's neutral, that's paid by the league, not by each team, aside from their own trainers, to be on the sideline at all times. If somebody's injured, that's the person that does the eval to say either you're safe to be on the field or not. You know, and that should be in all sports. It really should. It's and I, I like the NFL's in um I like that the NFL added the independent neurological consultant that has yeah. to clear somebody before they can go back. If there's, there's concern yeah. of a concussion, somebody, and, right. And I like that the, the NFL also added the spotters that are in the stands watching the game. And their job is to be able to see stuff from a distance and look for, you know, things like a player wobbling and stuff like that. That's why I was critical of the spotters in that Patriots game, because they should have caught that. Um, and you know, but the, the, those independent medical personnel, the, the, those are, I, I, I think that that's, you know, there's a way that you can expand on it. You don't have to have them there for just concussion protocol when you right. have, especially like in the NBA, when you have somebody in your, you know, that goes down trying to make sure they're not stopping play independent trainer should be running out there with the team trainers. And just paying attention, yeah, helping out, you know, yeah, exactly. And 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 you know, their job well, is to confirm that everything is legit. 
Yeah, and if it's not legit, what's the penalty? Well, the penalty can come in many different ways. It could be a penalty of, okay, well, we had to take time now to stop the game. You lose a timeout. Yeah, and the NFL, what the NFL is doing now is if they sense that there was a injury that was fake to stop play, um, the team and potentially the player get fined. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is pretty reasonable. Um, yeah, but I would think if you have, but I mean, a lot of these owners, it's just money. They're, they're more focused on the win. So you still have to have, I, I think, I think you still get, you, you, you still look at the potential depending on the situ- situation of in-game punishment, but right. at least fines, draft pick forfeits, suspension, stuff like that. All pretty reasonable depending on the circumstances. Absolutely, depending um, on the gravity of the situation. Right. I mean, but as a as a coach and as a as an athlete, as a trainer, um, or okay, as a as a coach, as a trainer, as a referee, the the safety is 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 very important. These yes, these are our modern day gladiators, but they are also human beings and deserve to be safe, as safe as possible. So part of that is saving these players from themselves when they are not wanting to accept the truth that they need they they need they need to step back even if it's for a quarter or whatever that they, they just they need to take that step back because longevity is more important in the long run. Yeah absolutely you know you can be here for one game or fifteen games it's your choice but um you know if we don't have somebody on the field that's reminding you of that and remembering for you, you know, hey, there's more to what you're doing than just this one game. You need to step away. You know, it's like having that that moral, emotional, and and uh, mental support that's right. reminding you of why you're doing what you're doing. You know, they have them even in workplaces now outside of the sports arena. You know, you have a bad day at work. They have somebody on site that says, hey, you are not having a good day. People have noticed your attitude. Let's go talk. That's not that much different, man. Just because we're using our brains instead of our bodies. Somebody's got to check us every once in a while and say, hey, what you're doing is not okay. It's bad for you. You're going to run your way into a bad situation. Take a step back. And we need to have people in sports that can do that for these people. What's up, Justin? Um, yeah, no, and, and, and I agree. I think, you know, we all – as humans, there's all opportunities where we needed to, we needed to be saved from ourselves. It's it's a human thing. This isn't an athlete thing. It's a human thing. We all get hyper focused and and dedicated and don't want to quit. And sometimes somebody somebody has to be there and say, "Hey, you're fucking up, bud. Or you need to take a step back, man." You know, it, it's it's accountability, and it, it's it's not a bad thing. Accountability is not a bad thing. Um, I've actually grown to value it instead of fear it because the more accountability I have in my life, the better things get, you know? So I think that opportunities where we can improve that to help these individuals and also do things to protect them will put us in a much better position than when we, we, we leave these guys to their own devices. Cause yes, they have free will, but you know, when you're when you're in that mode, 
you're in that mode and that that's activating primal urges where you're you're attacking fighting killing it's it's that same section of the brain especially at the pro level that's that's getting activated in those situations somebody's got to pull you back from that sometimes um but all right okay so we've been going for about an hour and 15 minutes there's still a couple of things i want to talk about but norm if you are not wanting to hang around, we're going to get more into some of the other actual deep, deeper aspects on the a couple of the pieces of this. So if you don't want to stick around, you don't have to. Thank you so much for joining us, man. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was fun. Uh, it was a great time. Got to talk about some things that actually are important to me, which is, you know, the youth of our, our nation and how we can better educate well, them in their health care. And Norm, I would like to extend an invite to have you on our flagship show, The Sports Report, which airs on Mondays. Um, I'm sure we're still going to be talking about DeMar next Monday, so I would love to have you on um, and talk a little bit more about this. Um, with Especially discuss as the developments come out over the next yes. week. I'm sure there'll be more information to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anytime that I'm, I'm free and available, if you guys want to have an extra voice of not necessarily reason, but... Uh, oh, none of us are voices of reason. None of us he, are. I was saying, yeah, no, you're... I, I know better than I know better than to use you as a voice of reason. Um, yeah. I would hope so, but yeah, I'll, I'll I'll reach out to I'll reach out to you, Norm, about about Monday. Uh, we'll yeah, see, we'll see if we can make it work. All right, one, thank, you. Guys, thank you. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Um, all right, so now I want to talk about Skip Bayless. Oh, I was waiting for this. The lizard because... man cometh. <laughs> Mr. Lizardfucker himself. Uh, no. Um, so here's the thing that I want to say. And I know that there are going to be some people that are surprised by this. Um, this I'm here tonight. <laughs> Skip Bayless's tweet. And if you don't know, just, just take a second to scroll through Twitter and search the name Skip Bayless and you'll see it. Um, Skip Bayless's tweet about what the NFL was going to do about the Bills Bengals game because of the impl implications was in extremely poor taste. And as a comic, I can tell you the timing was dog shit horrible. As but, journalists, I can tell you that that was just thinking with your pen and not thinking with your brain. And, and that's exactly, and, and, and that's exactly what it was. It was, He's because at, at that moment you think about this for any of us that are watching that game and skip, that's part of his job. He's got to watch that game. We're all sitting here and we've just watched a man almost die. Skip is 72. He's closer to death than most of us, unfortunately. So he's probably trying to think about other things. Like again, I'm not defending skips tweet. It was in poor taste and poor timing. But I also don't think it was as big of a deal as it was made out to be because it was it was the, the question was something that need to be needs to be answered. We're going to actually talk about because the NFL has put some information out in the last few hours about what's going to happen. And I've got oh, some. Graph, I've, yes, they have. And we'll go over that here in a little bit. But ultimately, like as a Chiefs fan. That game Monday night had an implication, uh, had an impact on whether or not I was going to get to see the AFC championship go through potentially go through arrowhead again. And, you know, so I was as a, as I'm concerned about DeMar and that obviously, you know, we can see that they're canceling the game. They should, which they, which they should have, you know, suspended it. They should have suspended the game. It's completely reasonable. 
the question is what's going to happen because this isn't a, you know, this isn't a week one game or, you know, an earlier week game or something where we can just move it to a neutral site, flex another game around and everything be done at this point, you, you know, it impacts the schedule of everything else for it to not get played. There are even conversations today on all of the sports talk about what's going to happen. What are they going to do? We all care about DeMar's safety, and it's been perfectly made clear that that is the most important thing. But this game still is going to continue. They haven't canceled the entire Week 18 slate. They're all, all of those games are going to happen. So the question does still remain. Now, is Skip a heartless lizard? Yes. Absolutely. Um, do I think that Skip's tweet is why Shannon wasn't at wasn't on Undisputed on Tuesday? You bet your fucking ass I do. Skip's um, tweet plus plus what had just happened between him and Skip not two weeks ago. Right. And and, and honestly, I, I I said this in our in our group chat. When basketball season ends and Undisputed wraps for its summer finale, that will be the end of Shannon Sharp on Undisputed. Yep. Skip Bayless will not go anywhere. Shannon Sharp will either move towards his own show, which I could see, or see, you know, maybe they transition him over onto first, to, oh, over onto, um, was that Nick Bright? First things first. The one that's on yeah. before Garten Show. First things first. Yeah, okay. So maybe they transition him to be opposite um, Nick Wright because uh, that gives, you know, that, that, that gives a more interesting battle because Shannon Sharp has played for the Broncos and Nick Wright deep throats more Chiefs dick than I do. Um, and LeBron dick. And LeBron dick. Like, he, he sucks more Chiefs dick and LeBron dick than Dan and I do, and that's saying something. Um, and so you still get the, you know, but it, it's it's not as much of a, there's not as much conflict. It's more discussion about the topics, which I think is a much better way to to do things because as somebody with anxiety, watching these two guys argue every day to the point you can tell Shannon's no longer acting. He's pissed off because Skip is an asshole. Like that, that's hard to watch as somebody with anxiety. Like it, it actually makes me uncomfortable. Yep. Um, I, and I now, purposely, sorry, I purposely woke up the other day just to catch. I woke up early to watch Skip by himself, which that show was absolute garbage. Absolute garbage. Watching Skip just talk is the worst thing in the world. It, it, you could tell he was straining. I, I, I didn't, I didn't make it through the first hour. I didn't either. I, I, I didn't either. I, I pretty consistently watch Undisputed every day. If I don't watch it when it's live, which I, I don't watch it as much live, I listen to it on Spotify um, while I'm working. It's just, you know, background noise. I'm learning more, stuff like that. And when, you know, and even when I went back and tried to listen to it, like it's just a legit podcast, like I couldn't, I couldn't do it because it, it skip, skip is a discuss is best in his best form. He's the godfather of the sports talk debate format that we run today. Mm -hmm. So I, I have to re respect his list. Him and Stephen A, okay? as much as I hate them both, him and Stephen yep. A are. It's him and Stephen A are the reason that sports talk exists today as it does. But the, you know, and, and Ando, to your comment about Skip needing to go. 
Here's the thing. He won't. Fox will not get rid of Skip Bayless. It's not going to happen. As They're going to keep giving him money because as far as their sports side, he's their guy. He he is he is the face of their sports brand. Yeah. Sports talk brand. Yeah. Let me clarify. Sports talk brand. And he says things that drive engagement. You know, as a as a media company, you know, and, and we're learning this as a podcast company as we try to expand out and try to turn this into something that can help pay some of our bills. Engagement drives your dollars. Your money is dictated by how much engagement you get as a company. You want to know why Fox didn't tell Skip Bayless to take it down? Engagement. Yeah. You want to know why? Skip Bayless gets away with some of the fucked up shit he says, like how he treated Shannon Sharp two weeks ago. Engagement. They love engagement. People are talking about their products. People are referencing their stuff. Fox fucking loves that shit. And so it, it, it's it's traffic for them. And and Justin, a 30 for 30 on, on the relationship between Skip and Shannon, this breakdown... I will watch that. I will watch, I will I will watch that watch multiple that. times. I would watch that. I will go to the, I will make sure I have gone to the dispensary and gotten the best Canagar I can find in the fucking city. And then I will sit on my porch with that going with a glass of bourbon. And I will enjoy every second of that and learning more because there's, there's, I'm really conflicted with the, with the whole Skip Bayless thing. I'll tell you why. Because part of me thinks about this, you know, like I said, Skip, Skip is one of the godfathers of the format, and he understands that their business is driving engagement, right? How much of what we see of Skip Bayless's behavior is an act? I don't. I would. I would have said. I would have said probably a couple of years ago that it's fifty fifty, but more and more now, especially where he's constantly tweeting, he's constantly doing TikToks, he's constantly uh, like. Doing something. He does TikToks. Yeah, I I don't know if he still does it, but I remember one a few a few but year a couple of years ago of him throwing Dax Prescott's jersey in the trash, and then the next week going to get it out of the trash because they did better. Oh, okay. Now, now I have to go look through something on TikTok. God damn it. <laughs> um, <sighs> like I said, but I don't no, know like, if he's still on there, but he was. And 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 again, I'm not defending. And I want to be clear to everybody watching this. Everybody watches it after West Coast Radio and all your amazing support. Thank you, guys. Um, I am not going to, to, to defend the tweet itself. I am not going to defend Skip Bayless disrespecting Shannon Sharp a few weeks ago by calling him jealous that Tom Brady's still playing and he's not. He's in the Hall of Fame. What does he have to be jealous of, Skip? Come the fuck on. But... Three-time Super Bowl champion. Yeah, three. Yeah, he won three rings: two in Denver, one in Baltimore. Because mm-hmm. he, he was on the the, the Baltimore Trent Dilfer team, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, one of the worst winning Super Bowl quarterbacks in NFL history, Trent fucking Dilfer. <laughs> um, Tim Tebow 1.0 with less faith <laughs> in your hair. Why is Tim Tebow a 40-year-old man with a faux hawk? 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't understand. Like, I don't like, understand. As a Christian, I think it's great he's using his platform no, no, for his no. faith. You know what he is? You know what Tim Tebow, he, he's a youth pastor now. He's a youth pastor. They always got the hippest hairstyle <sighs> they think is cool. Jesus Christ, you're right. Oh, Tim, uh, Pastor Tebow. Jesus Christ. Pastor Tebow. Well, I mean, at least Pastor Tebow has more playoff wins than Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson. Lamar Um, Jackson. uh, There's a couple of more added to that combined. Kyler Murray. Yeah. Um, But no, like it's. I, I I'm I'm so confl- and that's why I'm so conflicted. I have the the love hate relationship that I have with Skip Bayless. How much of that is an act? I don't think much of it is anymore. I think there was a time where it probably was, but Skip is so in the spotlight all the time. He's known for being this like it's made him because- friends with guys like Lil Wayne and uh, Snoop Dogg and like his persona is what makes him famous. So I think now, and that's part of the problem, why he tweets things like this. And it's the same thing with Stephen A. Smith. I think there was a time where these guys, they, they be- were able to- It's like they, they became the character. Yeah, they were able to shut it off. But now it's so much of who they are and they have to constantly be put in, putting in more to it and more to it and more to it. There, it it's, it's-, it's like these wrestlers who end up living the gimmick. You don't see right. it as much anymore, but guys like Macho Man back in the day, right? The Hulk um, yeah. was 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 bad about that. So, but but here's and, and this is and and, and I'm going to tell you the the, the 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 two things that have made me more and more believe that there's got to be at least somewhat of an act to, to what we're seeing out of Skip Bayless, and the and there's two things. Number one is Baker Mayfield. Skip Bayless on TV believes it more in Baker Mayfield than I think Baker Mayfield believes. In I Baker swear. Mayfield. Um, I Skip swear. Bayless acts like there is something that everybody's missing. And don't get me wrong. Baker Mayfield is a average Talented. to below average, average to below average starting quarterback in the NFL. He, he is a starter quality. He's I think that in average in, backup. Obviously, you know, above average backup. I think if he waits it out with the Rams, stays with um, what's his nuts, uh, McVeigh, stays with Sean McVeigh, and and rides it out because that system is perfect for him. Yeah, I think we see Baker make the playoffs again once Stafford retires. But you you just sit there, you work on your mechanics, you get some of those small things down that you lost that you didn't get to really develop in Cleveland because you didn't have a fucking offensive line, and really start to develop because that that's that's how Baker gets successful. But the truth of the matter is, there is nobody on the earth right now that believes in Baker Mayfield as much as Skip Bayless. Again, there, Baker and, and, doesn't believe in Baker as much as and, Skip Bayless does. Exactly, you know, and 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 that's why I I struggle with I struggle with it. And then the other one is when you talk to the average the the average sports fan that is not just a casual, somebody like us that consumes copious amounts of sports mm-hmm. content. We all respect, like, there could be, like, if I were to run into somebody that was a Hall of Fame baseball player that played for the New York Yankees, I'm not going to be a dick to them just because they played for the Yankees and I'm a Red Sox fan. I respect that they are a Hall of Fame baseball player. 
most not most sports fans that aren't casual will immediately they're going to be like, "Eh, fuck the Yankees." But hey, you had a you you were a pro. Yeah, you're, you you, you're you gonna, did the, Yeah. You're going to say that because also that player is probably going to be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I get it. I do." Um and maybe even rib you back like, "Oh, well, yeah. I I took your I took your team out of the playoffs in this year." Um, right. And, and I mean that's but that's the thing is that's the beauty of the relationship with most yeah. of us that are that, that that are not just casuals that are, that, that are actually dedicated we're passionate about this stuff because it, it entertains us so much for skip bayless to outright call shannon sharp jealous because tom brady is playing at 45 and just disrespect him in such a blatant manner the only time i ever see somebody get away with something like that without getting their teeth kicked in is wrestling. <laughs> that was my thought too. And then and that's and, and that's that's why and, and and that's why I can't get over it. like is it possible that he kind of became the character a little bit? Yeah. I, Absolutely. I, I, I that's completely yeah. reasonable. Him and Stephen A. Smith both. It's it's 100 percent reasonable. Doesn't make their actions okay. No, it just explains why they're there. But I have to believe at least some of this is just an act because it's the only way any of it makes sense. Well, and I'll say this for Shannon. I swear, I swear, he was more pissed at the fact that Skip couldn't let him get through an opening monologue yesterday than he was at the comment about his career two weeks ago. And that's and and, and that's one of the reasons why I think Shannon is on the way out. I've actually been sitting on that theory for a while. And I think a lot of it comes down to Skip in, in his age, you know, as Will says here, um, he's, you know, Skip is 71, you know, he's 70, I was like, I said, 71, 72, somewhere in there. It, it, he doesn't get the chance. Shannon does not get the chance to speak. Skip interrupts him on a regular Constantly. basis. And like, I get pissed when my customers do that and I work in sales. So I really have to hold my tongue. I can't be like Shannon. Go, we get frustrated on this show about us interrupting each other. Right. You know, like, I, so from something where they're supposed to be that emotional and that into it, for him to completely disrespect Shannon and leave that building with his teeth in his mouth, mm -hmm. I, so at least some of that's got to be an act. But I think, I still think, based on the way that it's looking, it's like, I mean, even if it is all an act, Shannon's on his way out. Um, I and if he Shannon doesn't, if he doesn't moving... get, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, if he doesn't get something really good with FS1, I could see ESPN picking him off and putting him on first take with Stephen A. Man, if you're, if you're Shannon, do you really want to go from one crazy nut job to the other? Yeah, because Stephen A knows better than to disrespect a Hall of Famer to his face. He can't call a UFC game to save his life, but he knows better than to tell Shannon Sharp he's jealous of Tom Brady and think he's going to leave the building with his teeth in his mouth. I just watching the watching Shannon yesterday, like I wanted to reach through the TV and strangle Skip. Like you couldn't even, the man was not there the day before specifically to avoid this. And obviously y'all aren't talking before the show. If you thought that this wasn't going to be brought up, 
because how is Shannon going to be absent on one of the biggest sports stories of the year? We're only three days into the year, but and then not address it the next day. Like it had to be addressed why I wasn't here. He didn't have a choice. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Skip saying, oh, I thought this wasn't going to get brought up. Like, really, Skip? And really? You're the only person that thinks that you shouldn't have deleted that tweet by now. Literally. No, no. The the executives for that show probably told him not to delete it. Because I I, I have to think at some point, common sense is going to kick in. And you'll be like, there's a lot of people and a lot of athletes that I would like to have as guests on the show that are supremely pissed off that I tweeted this. And Fox is going, no, 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 no. This is great advertisement. Leave it there. And I, I looked and up I would not put that past Fox Sports for FS1 to do that. Not at all. I looked up Skip just to see if his if we were right on his age, and he did discern to turn 71 on December 4th. But uh, okay. one of the first articles that came up from the New York Post, there is a petition from athletes calling for his firing after this. And that's the thing. Fox, I, I'm t- and, and I, I appreciate the sentiment. I understand the reasoning. And like I said, it was in poor timing and poor taste from a comic that has bombed in front of multiple crowds. Trust me, poor timing, poor taste. However, Fox is not going to fire Skip Bayless. It's not going to happen. He's got ESPN, five years left on his contract. He's got five years left on his contract. And ESPN is chomping at the bit. To, get to him bring back. him back. Yeah. If Fox fires him, ESPN is going to take him and Fox is going to take a huge ratings hit. They don't want to do that. The ratings for morning sports talk, despite how much we all dislike him, follow Skip Bayless. Yep. Him and Stephen A. They are the ratings it's, for sports that, that, talk. That's, that's the ratings. And so you can either, as a network, since it wasn't sexist, it wasn't racist, it's just something that pissed people off. Skip says stuff that pisses people off on a regular basis. So as as amazing of a sentiment as it is in trying to support DeMar Hamlin and, you know, his health being the most important thing, because as I said earlier, our belief is that athletes are people too. And I'm again, proud of Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott for leading their men and taking a stand and not continuing the game on Monday night. Uh, And I say that as a chiefs fan, like I would have been pissed if you hadn't. Um, But I do want to talk a little bit about how long it took them. And some of the reports that have come out um, because we all heard Joe Buck say they were going to have five minutes to warm up. As much as I don't like like Joe Buck, I don't believe he says that without him being told that in the headset. And I can tell you where it came from. So, and and you know, for those of you that are not aware, this will be a good spot to learn some stuff. I can tell you where Joe Buck got that 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 direction that that was what was going to happen. So the NFL has a emergency preparedness manual that that is in place for every game. And the producers for the TV have a copy of that plan. 
And this is because they are able to feed information to the broadcasters as to what's going on, what the plan is, what the options on the table are going to be, that stuff, so that they can keep talking on TV and they don't have to keep showing commercials and losing ratings. And so one of the producers looked at that emergency, emergency preparedness plan and saw severe injury, stop of play. After they get the player off the field out of the ambulance, they're going to get time to warm up, probably five to ten minutes, and then they're going to be back at it. And, and that's, that's, that's the protocol for any long-term stop of play. We saw when that, when at that Super Bowl, the Harbaugh Super Bowl, when the power outage happened, they were down for what was it a half hour that they were down without power in the in the second half, and then when they came back, five to ten minutes to to warm up, and then you're back at it. The information that Joe Buck was talking about was just because that's what the NFL's preparedness plan expected made them expect to happen. Now the coaches said no. And the league was like, yeah, we're the, the league hadn't made that call. I believe Troy Vincent, when he said that, that nobody made that call, I have no reason to believe that they didn't because the league will take that hit if they need to, you know, because um, the, the, they're not above saying you guys are right. We should have, we should have checked with the players first and seen how things were going. They will take those L's because they, they don't care. They're still going to get, you're still going to be watching the game next week. They, they don't care. It's not going to hurt the brand. You're still going to buy jerseys. They don't care. They have no reason to lie. And so when you, when you realize that they had no reason to lie, where did Joe Buck get that? He wasn't making it up. I've worked on TV shows and stuff like that and been on the TV and, and seen how the TV side of, of NFL games work. Guess what, guys? I worked a Super Bowl. I've seen a lot of that stuff get set up and learned a lot of shit in the process. They got th that was in their emergency preparedness manual for what was going to happen. And they said, Joe, you know, okay, they're getting them off the field. So this is what's going to happen next. And Joe Buck saying this and, and, you know, realizing that like, okay, I'm going to say this because this gives us something to talk about, but you could tell both as he and Troy talking about it, they both, they didn't understand. There's no way that game resumes after all these guys just watch their teammate or their, almost their, their died. coworker opponent almost die right in front of them on the field. Because these guys, as is common in, in a severe injury, and it's something that like, it doesn't, it's not something that we as athletes talk about. It's just something that happens when there's a severe injury like that. We're all around them especially if there's cameras present because we don't want any misleading pictures taken. We don't want anything being looked at other than the way that it is. And we don't want the medical staff that's working on that person to be worried about how something looks. They need to be worried about doing their job because that person needs to be taken care of immediately. And so they get surrounded. That's why a lot of those shots that we saw all of the players, not just the Bengals, all of those players surrounded that area to make sure the cameras couldn't get in. And when Fox was able, you know, and, and, and ESPN, they have the, this guy came and they were able to look and see overhead. We actually, during the broadcast, they showed a couple of shots of the overhead, but they were far back. So you couldn't exactly see what was going on. You could just see that they're working on it. So that's why we never saw that there was a defibrillator used because 
the players blocked the the cameras on the ground from being able to get in as is you know common and the sky cam once they were realizing what was going on like yeah we're not going to show that so these guys are surrounding them to protect their decency and they're watching these medical professionals try and revive this person that they were just in a play with five minutes before all while their their adrenaline is pumping and now their fight or flight is kicking in because here's the thing if you're in a situation in a competitive match like that and you watch somebody go down and there is a severe injury your fight or flight response kicks in because somebody has gotten injured and your primal senses think, you know, because of everything that you've been doing, your primal senses tick in that you're in battle. And so your, your, your brain is working differently, but at the same time, when, cause if you think about it, if you've ever been in a situation where your fight or flight kicks in, once you've been able to, you know, once it comes out, you remember every single detail of what you just went through. Down to the second, you can, you know, the clothes, the color of the grass, everything is right there in your forefront. So these men are in a heightened sense. Their fight or flight gets kicked in because they watch a coworker, we'll call it because it was Bengals and Bills both that were watching this guy. A coworker <coughs> is now laying down on the field, going through life saving measures. You just watch that. And then you're expected to go back into a state of peak mental and physical fitness for the next 51 minutes, whatever, because it was like 627 left, I believe, in the first quarter. So 51 and a half minutes uh, of gameplay time to knock out this game and push that aside. These, I, I would not be surprised if some of the men, especially on the Bills, some of these men have PTSD from this. Oh, yeah. Well, and that was something I actually wanted to bring up to you, Seven, is we got Week 18 coming up. It is mm -hmm. the end of regular season. Now that now we know DeMar's okay, or going to be, hopefully, we're still getting information. He's doing well. Um, the Bills and the Bengals both have games this weekend. Uh, right. Okay. Where are their minds at? Um, so let's talk about that. Um, because also you got to think about like T. Let's let's talk about T for a second. He caused a, a co worker, a friend, whatever. He didn't cause it, he did not oh, cause sorry, it. Sorry, bad, he bad was a choice part of, of words. A, a part of it, a part of a it, part of a part play. Of bad choice of words. I apologize. Right, right. Um, bad choice of words. He was a part of the incident, and because of it. He is getting death threats. Not going to be in the greatest mental state. And I realize he's an athlete. He's probably able to say, you know what? I got to go out here. I got to do a job. I got to move on. Um, and he, I, I have no doubt in my mind is that's what T. Higgins will do. But, man, you think about guys like Josh Allen, who we visibly saw was in tears on the field. Mm -hmm. Same same with uh, – uh, God, I can never remember their running back's name or the their star wide receiver, Stefan Diggs. Stephon Diggs. Um, same, same. And then at one point, you saw Diggs was pumping up the team, trying thinking that they were going to have to go back on the field. 
Right. Cause that's, and here's the thing they expect it even after a severe injury. Cause they watch these guys, you know, they watch guys have a severe leg break. Think about the, the, the leg break that Alex Smith went through yeah. when he was quarterback for then the Washington Redskins, or I think maybe in the football team at that point. No, I, they were I don't, Redskins. Fucking, I don't Redskins. fucking know. But when Alex Smith broke his leg, that was a severe compound break. What you, you know, for those of you that don't understand what that means, what you need to understand is that scared. the bone break was so bad. Part of his bone was sticking up from his skin. It's like, what was that? Was it, wasn't it that player in the college, uh, college basketball that had that bad break that went out? Was it Duke? It was Duke uh-huh. or Kentucky, something like that. It was Duke. He went down and, and you could see the bone sticking out of the skin. Okay. And this break almost killed him. These, t- his, Alex Smith's teammates had to see that. And then turn right back around and go play. I understand that the NFL is a business and severe injuries can happen, but there had to be a line. And I'm glad that the line was drawn with something like this, because this was absolutely the right decision to just go, look, we've got to stop this because the mental health and safety of every single one of those players, all I believe it's 112 because it's what 50 or 108 because 54 for each team. Yeah, 54 for each team. So 108 players, and then all of the coaches and trainers and staff and everything else that all had to deal with this. And at some point, you have to be take the, you know the human element into, in, into consideration and go, we got to give these guys a break and allow them to process this because otherwise, it's not going to be a healthy response. Um. And then the, you know, for T. Higgins, if T. Higgins plays Sunday, I will be shocked. And anybody that criticizes him for not playing should be kicked in the testicles. Let me hear. Man. I'm talking, you get Adam Vinatieri in his swole 50 dad bod. With a steel toe boot. With a steel toe boot to just line up and kick a man, woman, whatever other gender they claim. I'm not here to judge. I'm just here to watch somebody get kicked in the nuts. Um, do do not criticize T. Higgins if he doesn't play this week. I wouldn't blame him one bit. Um, any player, any player from those two. It really, truly, after listening to New Heights and listening to Travis and Jason this week, any player who says, you know what? My heart is just not in it this week. Because you also got to think, these players, like, they kind of just saw their mortality. Like, they realize that, yeah, they all know, yes, they play a dangerous game. They know that. They don't expect to almost die on the field. The the, the potential for issues with mortality while you're playing the game, these guys understand the risk of CTE. I think we can all, you know, those, that discussion. Or tearing ACL. You know, that there are always, they understand that there are risks, but none of these men have ever really had to look at the game that they love and think this game could take my life while I'm still playing it. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Any of the Bills players, any of the Bengals players, any of them, they just watched a a, a heinous thing, something that, that nobody should ever have to deal with watching. Like, as somebody who's watched people die, Mm-hmm. Watch people get revived. It's not something that you forget. No. You know the 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 knowledge that that somebody's somebody in front of you's heart 
has stopped beating. It's a heavy thought. It's a heavy thing to experience. And anybody that has to go through that, because yes, it's a part of life that, that you know, mortality is a part of life. There's a hundred percent. Only know, things to uh, guaranteed death and taxes. Well, there's a third thing. A third thing. Andrew Davis is going to get hurt at some point in the year, but yeah, I mean, Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, the thing for me is we have to remember athletes are people too. We have to be, because when, when you're thinking about your fantasy football, that man, you know, everybody that was thinking about, you know, oh, they needed the score from Josh Allen's Josh Allen's fantasy football points. I get that. Which he probably last... had money riding on that league. I get that. But which do you think is more impactful in the grand scheme of things? Whether or not you win 250 bucks or the fact that Josh Allen just watched a player that he has huge respect for on his team that he shares a workspace with that he's talked to who's, who's had, you know, an, and, 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 a and pretty this amazing is, year, a pretty amazing year. He came in for the injuries, Colin Sanders, right? Yeah. Third, uh, um, game three, game three, game came three, in for Colin, Colin Sanders. Sanders and has just crushed it. Yeah. DeMar Hamlin was having an absolute standout year. He was going to be a starter after this season. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and to, you know, to see all the, all the, 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 the men that he played with this guy that they've gotten to know over the last 15 weeks, at least probably, you know, definitely longer. I mean, he probably, but, but, but we'll say just for, yeah. just for, you know, starting sake, we'll say 15 weeks, you know, 14 weeks, these men had gotten to know this guy and then they watch him almost die. Anybody that's critical of somebody in that situation for needing to take a step back is super fucking selfish, and I don't care how negatively it impacts you. I'm sorry. I, I don't I don't feel bad for you. I don't feel bad for you having to split the 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 payout on your fantasy football championship. I, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Human life is the most important thing. Does that stuff suck? Yeah, I'm a Chiefs fan. I have a really low chance of getting a home, uh, home field advantage for the AFC Championship now. And we're going to talk about that because the NFL released what they're going to do. I have a really low chance of being able to see my team host the game that they've hosted for the last, what, three years, four years now? Something like that. So, I... And now, and now you probably are going to end up playing the Bengals at some point, too, which is how it's going to Fucking Joe Burrow. Um, <laughs> Joey Payne. But these guys, these guys have, we as fans, to if we truly want to support the craft and the entertainment of, of the product that we watch, we have to be willing to put our pride and our selfish reasons aside and support the humanity of these men. Because the humanity of these men is what gives us the product that we get. Exactly why we have this show. It's exactly why we have this show. And so if you know somebody that was bitching about 
the fantasy football implications. Slap in the face. Me. Just, just, just. I know you're not supposed to advocate for violence. I'm not advocating for violence. I'm just, te- it's, it's teaching them a lesson. Just, um, just, just slap them in the face. Okay. So real quick, I was just to add to this. I was listening to New Heights podcast on my way home today, and it was a really short one. They only did like 23 minutes because they just talked about this. And, uh, but Jason brought up. On the Eagles this week, they had a guy, I can't remember his last name, first name Josh. Um, he went down and for a few minutes was paralyzed. And um, jo- Jason talked about how just that, and he's not trying to compare the two or anything, but just how that affected him. And luckily, they were able to know and find out in the game that he was going to be okay. And they were able to clear their head and move forward. But with everything we do know with DeMar now, there's still a lot of questions. And that's going to be running through these guys' heads. And to me, any player, any player for any team that is questioning, should they play this week, shouldn't have to play this week. Absolutely. Um not what ooh, oops. <laughs> so I just realized I posted the StreamYard link on my on my Twitter. Um, oh dang, I'm surprised we didn't have people popping in. <laughs> me too. Uh, apparently my followers don't 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 really pay attention to me, so fuck them. Um let's see. I wanted to do that. There we go. Okay. Um but in in my you know, it, it's. I'm thankful that Demar is doing better, and and I I'm I'm so appreciative of the fact that, that a majority of people have been willing to to see the humanity of our uh, our gladiators, if you will. Which is what they are. They're and which is what they are. They're they're modern modern day gladiators. The, I'm 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 glad that we were able to we, to see the the humanity of them. You know, and and I thought it was great. One of the things that I saw. So Demar Hamlin at a charity that was yeah, for his it supported his local area, and he had said he had started a GoFundMe when he was in college for twenty five hundred dollars for a toy drive. And kept it open, and it was more, you know, going towards his charity, and you're doing more toy drives as he became an NFL player. And one, I so I remember when I saw the link flying around Twitter about an a couple hours after it happened, it was already up over a half million. Uh, and today, today it's over seven and a half million. Yeah. Um, and that just shows the 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 impact that we can have as a group of individuals that just lo- love watching a bunch of guys beat each other up over a pigskin and come together to support one of those pigskin fighters and, and make sure that they, that they know that, that, that we as fans care about their, their health and safety and their future above ourselves. So I think that, that if we can keep that same mentality in everything we do, our, our our country and our world would be in a much better fucking place. So as of this broadcast, 225,000 people 
have donated over $7 million to Hamlin's foundation. Um, his family are so overwhelmed with the general, with everybody. They are also asking for people to donate, donate to the U to UC, the hospital that's treating him. Absolutely. Uh, and, um, it's been, it's been crazy. Um, People from every sport, every walk of life have donated. You've had groups. You've had uh, celebrities. Um, Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho donated twice because once the first time they misspelled he his misspelled name. He misspelled his name. I thought that was great. <laughs> I, I thought that was great. So he donated instead of just saying, oh, whatever. He donated another 5000 Um, And then LeBron, um, uh, Sierra and her husband because – Sierra's uh, husband. Um, Andy Dalton and his wife. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and all right, so to wrap up, um, before we wrap up, the other thing we got to talk about is what the NFL is going to do. And I'm putting this up on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you guys because that's really the best way to actually get it. Cause obviously this is really I'm fucking really tiny. trying. And that is really small. Yeah. That mm. it's, it's, it's hard. And I get that huh? phrasing. Um, <laughs> so just a second, let me get this back up on my screen. Okay. So the NFL announced today that the week 17 Buffalo bills and Cincinnati Bengals game will not be resumed and has been canceled. NFL NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell informed all clubs of the decision earlier today. After speaking with the Bills, the Bengals, and the NFL Players Association leadership, um, they are so basically what they're and and what this goes on to say. And and I got this off of Ian Rappaport's Twitter, so uh, just at Rap Sheet, um, you can check it out there. But basically, what they're going to um, what they're going to do is that they're canceling the game, and if the if a game comes up between the Bills and the Chiefs or the Bengals and the Bills, unless something has, unless either the Bengals, the Bills, or the Chiefs lose this week, um, then what we're going to see is they will play the game instead of there being home field advantage, they will play the game at a neutral site. Um, there has been no information released on where that neutral site might be because that is going to depend on the week 18 results. Mm -hmm. Um, now just for information, for those of you that don't know what the schedule looks tonight, thank you, Chris. We appreciate you. Uh, thank you for supporting us. Um, for those of you that don't know, um, this week, Kansas city plays, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders on Saturday the Bills have the Patriots at home on Sunday, and the Bengals have the Ravens at home. Um, the Bengals, now one thing I did in, in that release, the Bengals have been declared the winners of their division. Um, I believe it's the AFC South or AFC North, whatever it was. AFC, AFC North. Um, the Bengals have the won South their division. The South is a dumpster fire. It will be yeah, decided. Oh, that's right. The South will be decided um, versus Tennessee and Jacksonville on Saturday. That's right. That's the Saturday night game. Okay. Um, all right. So simple there. Um, to but the point if, that no, there's their week 16 or week 17 game, neither of them made any difference. It did not matter. This game will decide the AFC South. It is absolute yep. garbage. Yep. Um, now, one of the – so 
if you know Chiefs fans, you will want to root for the Patriots this week. I know that hurts, but Tom Brady's not the quarterback of the Patriots. It's Mac Jones. Um, is it Mac Jones or is it the guy that played for him this week? Um, one oh, you know what? That's out there oh. looking like Tom Brady, three hundred yards, three touchdowns. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think don't know. Mac is still hurt. I think Mac is still hurt. Well, I, you just got to hope that, that 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 the Patriots can pull it out. Um, I'll buy a hoodie and cut the sh- sleeves off just to wear it like uh, Bill Belichick if, if they do. Uh, but, I mean, ultimately, outside of that, the other play, I mean, they all win their division, so they get home field advantage until the AFC Championship game anyway. No, it is, but it is Mac. Mac is starting. Okay, so there we go. Um, Mac Jones, I need you to ruin Josh Allen's day. Josh Allen, I love you. You are crazy. Josh Um, Allen's not losing that game. No, Josh Allen's not losing that game. Um, (laughs) I could dream, goddammit. I could dream. (laughs) That is a deep dream. I could dream. Either things I dream that will never happen is that Anna Kendrick is going to call me one day and tell me she's in love with me. Um, If that happens... Ashley Green is going to call me one day and tell me she's in love with me. For those of you that don't know, she's a model and she also played Alice in the Twilight series. Oh man, I would let her beat the crap out of me. Um, But okay. So as we wrap up here, of course, again, we want to uh, share our support for Damar Hamlin. We definitely hope he gets better thoughts and prayers with you and your family and your friends as everybody's had to go through this, the bills, the Bengals as well. We have definitely been, praying for you guys and uh, take care of your mental health for the love of God, please take care of your mental health. That is far more important than any fucking game. Seriously. I want to say two things before we get out of here. Um, we in the sports world, in the extreme sports world, we lost um, Ken block this week. If oh right, yeah. Lost oh. Ken block this week from a snowmobile crazy accident, snowmobile act, which if you know anything about Ken block, that is exactly how that man wanted to go. I mean, clearly. Um, I mean, we're talking about the man who designed the Jim Connor videos, which was just pushing his car literally to its limits. Um, and we lost. I used, I, that was my favorite thing to do. Like back in the day, I, I would spend a lot of time getting stoned and watching Ken Block Jim Connor videos or fail videos. Um, and then Ken Block is a very talented driver, and I'm very uh, to his friends and family. I'm sorry for your loss. Also, that, that was the tough. owner of DC Shoes. So uh, I you see, and I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I never knew because, like, I I prefer DC Shoes. Like, that's I think I've got some right down here somewhere. I'm actually wearing some Walmart ones right now. But my favorite pair of shoes I have is a pair of DC. I knew that from the um, Fantasy Factory because uh, he sponsors Rob Dudek. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. And uh, um, also today. Um, we Nate Colbert passed away. Really? Yeah. Uh, the Padres just released a statement. We are deeply saddened by the passing of Padres Hall of Famer Nate Colbert. Our hearts go out to his wife Casey and his the entire Colbert family at this difficult time. An original member of the Padres in 1969, Nate was a trailblazer in San Diego sports community. He was a three-time National League All Star in Brown and Gold and became the Padres all-time home run king with 163 a record that still stands today. Nate was devoted to his community off the field as well, dedicating his time to disadvantaged youth through his ministry. He was a magnetic person who will be dearly missed. 
absolutely. That's that's heartbreaking. Oh, and um, also breaking news this evening: um, Indianapolis Colts running Hall of Fame running back and Madden cover athlete Peyton Hillis is in intensive care himself uh, after saving his kids from drowning. In oh yeah, I saw that. Um, prayer seriously, like I, I just. Man, take care of yourselves. Seriously, yeah. I'm worried about all of you. I'm going to put all of you in plastic wrap. I'm going to put you in a closet. That's not meant to sound as creepy as it does. <laughs> but it's this is insane, man. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's we're only five days in, and this year has been crazy. Barbara Walters, uh, Jeremy Renner in the hospital, almost lost his legs. Because uh, of a snowmobile accident. That was snow plow. So oh, actually, snow plow. He was okay. plowing his driveway. And it's supposed to work like a riding mower. You fall off, it dies. It didn't and ran over him. Oh my God. Yeah. That's insane. I, because I'd seen it, I'd seen some pictures, but I hadn't gotten to go back and fully read on it. But I thought, because I thought I'd seen it was a snowmobile, but snow plow. I mean, yeah, but that's, he's awake and that's a great, that, that's, 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 that makes me happy. And, and Damar Hamlin being awake today recognizing people, squeezing hands, asking who won the game through writing, stuff like that. Um, you know, just shows consummate football player, but, you know, obviously we want to see him get better. It's not about being able to play football again for us. We want to see him be able to live a happy and healthy life. I do. Uh, that's really what we're concerned about first. If he makes it, but if he makes it back to playing football again, wow. that's comeback player of the year. That's, wow. that's, 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 that's Finally, comeback player of the century right there. Th that is somebody giving Alex Smith a run for their money on on the level of comeback. Um but you know the it, you know for but the comeback player of the year this should be the the Alex Smith comeback player of the year it should be the name of that trophy. I'm sorry. Yes, it should. Um until DeMar comes back and takes that crown. But if De if DeMar comes back and takes it, then that's the DeMar Hamlin trophy, I think. Um no, because Demar has the chance to maybe get like a defensive MVP or you know all defensive stuff like that. Alex Smith is just going to have that. Let's let's let him keep that. He had to play for the Redskins and Dan Snyder. Let's give I, him something. I will say I hope this this changes a little bit of the I wanted to just leave on NFL's policy because as this time Demar's not vetted. He would have needed to play one more season to be vetted in the NFL, to get all the health insurance and things that they get once they retire. I Now, they the league can change that, and the Players Association will probably discuss the league and get him what he I'm deserves. sure, yeah, he's going to be taken care of. But, I, there's no question in my mind DeMar, DeMar Hamill is going to be taken care of. Yes, but for further on, as we see that these things can happen, these guys should be getting that sooner. And Because I think it's four years and three games. What I, they have to play. I don't have a problem. Here's the thing. I don't have, I, I understand it taking time for some kind of vetting. You know, it takes time when you start a new job before you get full benefits. And, 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 you know, I don't get the same amount of PTO as a guy that's been with my company for five years does. Cause I've, I'm, I'm just hitting my three-year mark in March. So I get that, but I will also say this, the league has to commit to in situations of extreme yes. injury, they have to just go, we've got you. There shouldn't be a question. It shouldn't be talking to the players association, talking to the owners to make sure they're okay covering the bill. No, we are going to take care of you. If you get a major injury in game like that, it yeah. shouldn't be a question at all because, 
especially in something that can that can permanently impact our life. Because, like, let's look at what two attack the uh, tag of ILO is going through. This is three now what three year. concussions in one year. You you're gonna be lucky to get four years out at this point, but he absolutely should be taken care of. So I, I can understand to a point certain vetting for certain benefits and stuff like that. But we also have to be willing to look at the physical side of this and go, okay, we got you. Which they absolutely should be doing yes. in these, and I'm, again, extreme cases. If they don't get injury, if they don't get injured, who gives a fuck? Not, no, nobody. Nobody's going to give a fuck if some, somebody that doesn't get injured doesn't have, didn't, didn't get the coverage because they didn't get injured. Nobody gives a fuck. But, if they get an extreme injury on the field, the N- the NFL it should be without question. Just all right, we got you. Yep, hundred percent. It's just like if I was working in construction, doesn't matter how long I've been there. If I'm working in construction and I get injured at work, not negligently, but something an accident happens, I get injured at work and I can't work ever again. My work is responsible for paying me. Even if it was my second day on the job. Someone who's been on workers comp twice with two different employers. They got to pay if you get hurt there. And and, and so I, there, there's no reason why in an extreme injury case, they can't go, all right, we got you. And they, they just, there's no reason because all of these, these, these owners that are nut sacks own other businesses. And if one of their employees gets extremely injured, doesn't matter if it's their first day, the last day, any day in between. They got to take care of it. So guess what? You got to take care of it. It's only right. But Josie, thank you for joining me tonight. Uh, not a Dr. Norm. Thank you for joining me, my friend. I appreciate you as always. Um, thank and you to our producer, Erica. Erica, she had to dip out a little early. Dan, I know you're still getting stuff taken care of for your house, buddy. Uh, we will see you next week. As Sports Report After Dark is back for the year, and you will catch me back on Sports Report starting next week. I did take a little bit of time to myself to process the passing of Stefan Weaver. Um, and I know I've made a comment on that, so I'll say it here. I'll probably talk again about this really briefly on Monday. Um, nobody expected Stefan to pass. There was nothing, no indications that there was any issues. Um, I have been in contact with his daughter. We are going to have somebody at his celebration of life. Craig is going to make it. Um where we've, we've made sure of that. We're going to make sure that that's facilitated. That's awesome. Cause yeah, it's the celebration of life is going to be in, in San Francisco. Craig's like 45 minutes away. So um, he's going to make sure that we have somebody there um, for the support that we've gotten with the passing of Stefan Weaver. We want to say, I want to say thank you to all those um, winter meetings. will be back ne- uh, with the start of the baseball season, probably going to start mid March. The Weaver um, rule, baby, the Weaver rule. <laughs> Always remember the Reaver rule. You have to wear pants when you're on camera, as unfun as it may be. Um, unless you're a porn star, I guess the Reaver – but the Reaver rule doesn't apply to that because you're not on our podcast. Um, unless we're doing things really, really correctly. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you for your support. Say a prayer for Stefan's family as they're processing the sudden loss. Uh, he had a daughter that just got married not just a few months before, um, and he died right after Christmas. So keep the uh, the Weaver family in your prayers. Um, Peyton Hillis's family, keep him in your thoughts and the continued recovery for Jamar Hamlin. We thank you for your support and for taking a chance to listen tonight and ta- listen to us talk about the importance of athletes being treated like people. Too. Uh, we will see you Monday night on the Sports Report, 10 p.m. Eastern. Have a good night, everybody.
you feel low, you can still go. Even when you feel slow, you can still go. Even when there's no hope, you can still go. I never answer to no man, I still go.